Good morning and welcome to Sunday at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and as we begin this New Year journey together, it is the right time for us to look around and notice that the world is indeed dark and broken in some places. How do we counter that? We do it by following our resurrected Christ who fills us with hope, joy, peace, and love so that we can help to build his kingdom on this earth. So come and join us as we seek to answer our call of the risen Christ. Come on in. passage that Vicki referred to as our first reading. It is Jeremiah 1, 4 through 10. Listen for the word of the Lord. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appoint you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Jeremiah speaking, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up, to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from 1 Corinthians 13. It is about love. True love. The passage we know mostly from weddings, all about love. 1 Corinthians 13, listen again with fresh ears, 1 through 13. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. But as far as prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. 
For we know only in part and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then will I know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love, again 13, and now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Why shouldn't you fall in love with a pastry chef? He'll desert you. What did one boat say to the other boat? Are you up for a little romance? How did the phone propose to his girlfriend on Valentine's Day? Gave her a ring. Double. How do tightrope walkers find romance? Online dating. And finally, my favorite, what did one pig say to the other? Don't go baking my heart. Yeah, thank you for the wow. I appreciate that. Yes, today is about love. We know all about love, don't we, friends? We talk about this all the time. Why is that? Well, because that's who we know and what we know is God's character to be. It is love. What is the value on earth for us? So much of it is love and rooted, love rooted in Christ. Love is what makes the world go round. Love is where we celebrate those things in our life that feed us, of which we celebrate and which we grow. Today, we are in 1 Corinthians the love chapter, the one we often hear at weddings, and it's fine. It's not not appropriate for weddings. It talks about love in a variety of ways. Uh, if you are married, please raise your hands if you have abided by all of these love commandments. Anybody? It is hard. It is a list of things that are very, very difficult. But let's start at the beginning. So we are in 1 Corinthians. This is Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. One big book split into two pieces, First and 2 Corinthians. So we're here. We know some about the battle that is going on in this church that causes Paul to write this letter to them. They are somewhat facing... The difficulty of Jews and Gentiles coming together to now be new Christians together and all of the things. Are we Jewish first? Or we can, we have to, do we have to do this? We have to do that. Well, that's a piece of it. But right here, we're coming on the heels of chapter 12, which I hope this is familiar to you. If it's not, it's okay. It talks about spiritual gifts and Paul's understanding of the body of Christ and how each of us have gifts that we're given to use for the good of the body of Christ, and that each of us need to use that, and all are important 
In other words, to flip that, no one is unimportant in God's kingdom because we have all been given gifts whether we know it or not, whether we use them or not. If you remember some of the the phrasing in the passage, now there are a variety of gifts but the same spirit, there are varieties of services but the same Lord, variety of activities but is the same God who activates all of them and everyone. To each given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Excuse me. So the Spirit has given each of you something for God's common good. And certainly something, many of you, many things. Wisdom, knowledge, gifts of healing, working miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these different things. For just as the body is one and as many members, all the members of the body are one body, so it is with Christ. And then goes in again to saying that one part is not more important than the other or less important. And we all feel at times probably more so less important than we do more important. Because we see people working, we see leaders in the church leading, and we think, "Ah, I don't know if I can do that. They seem to have gifts that I don't have, or I, I don't know where I am in my journey. So I'm not going to step up. I'm not going to step out. I'll kind of keep my thing to myself and kind of play with it in a little way that I can do that and be safe and not have to expose myself or step out there to be criticized by anyone. But Paul is saying everybody matters. Each of you matters. Each of you have been filled with amazing gifts from the Holy Spirit, gifts from God to use. Look at the choir. I never get to see y'all in the face. It's so nice to have y'all. Y'all are filled with gifts from the Spirit. Your gift of music, interpretation, you are proclaiming the gospel of Christ in the songs and the music that you play and sing. And again, each of us, so many gifts, so many ways. If you play rock, paper, scissors, maybe you can do that for the glory of God. Maybe those will be spiritual gifts that you can use in the world Do you grow flowers? Do you cook? Can you keep the books? Can you wash the windows? Can you mow the grass? Can you knit? Can you sew? Can you juggle? Whatever you have been given has been given to the glory of God. And Paul is saying, it's so important and we need everybody. The design is for everybody to be involved, not for 20% of the body of Christ to work and 80% in and out. I got something, but I don't know what to do with it. Or I don't know how to identify what I have. If I have something, preacher, come talk to us. We'll help you with that. So that's chapter 12. Paul is having a problem because now not only is that all that great talk about spiritual gifts a reality, but the Corinthians are starting to have friction with one another because they are using their spiritual gifts as a way to separate, as a way to boast, as a way to be envious of one another. My gift is better than your gift. I am so important. They can't do it without me. They can do it without you. You're a juggler, I'm a preacher. 
And so Paul is writing specifically to offset some of this challenge and struggle. Listen. Love is patient. Who's not being patient? FPC, Corinth. Love is kind. Who is not being kind? Members of the Corinthian church. Love is not envious. Who's being envious? Corinthians. Who's being boastful? Corinthians. Or arrogant? Or rude? Church in Corinth. It does not insist on its own way because they are insisting on their own way. It is not irritable or resentful because they are being irritable and resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing because they are. So Paul is trying to bring this under control. Yes, everybody needs to celebrate what they've been given, but that is not a block on which to stand and separate inferior and superior. We're all in this together, and Paul is laying it out there and talks about this idea of love. In the same way, it makes me think about the parable that Jesus teaches in Luke 18, 9, and following, really, 18, 11, where he tells the parable of a Pharisee and a tax collector. And the Pharisee prays to God and said, Lord, I thank you that I am not like the rest of them. (laughs) I am not like these hooligans. I am not like these other thieves and criminals and this tax collector sitting right next to him. I thank you that I'm so much better and so much more faithful. And then the tax collector simply cries out to God and says, Lord, have mercy on my soul, a sinner. And Jesus says, which one will inherit the kingdom? It is the tax collector. Now, make no mistake, the Pharisee probably does all of those things that they are being asked to do. He tithes, he fasts, he goes to temple, leads prayer, does all the things that they are supposed to do. What is missing? Love. What is not missing, him claiming power and status because of the position as he is perceived in the community. Happy with his status, less concerned is he about the love of those that he is in ministry with and his Jewish family. So what does that equate to? A noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Gongs and cymbals are loud and annoying. They are fun in the right place. You ever heard a cymbal when you weren't expecting? No, everything's okay. I'm not. Don't think I didn't think about it. But as a teaching tool, someone might go off to this. Bam! That is noisy and annoying. Heart skips two beats. Why is that so important? What is Paul saying to us? And what's our temptation? Right now, the world, the world is filled with noise. 
It is loud. It is clangy. It is gongy. What do I mean? I mean that through our national discourse, whether it be media, politics, theology, and the different ways that we communicate on larger levels, we are being trained and honed to be clangy and noisy. How does that happen? Well, social media does a lot of great things, but one of the things it doesn't is it allows a chance for people to shotgun their thoughts and theories out in a way where it just becomes noise instead of love. By love, I don't just mean fluffy. I don't mean an emotion. I don't, I don't mean temporary happiness. I mean this deeper sense of love that we know God showed us through Christ, a sacrificial love, that agape love that we are all seeking to emulate in our lives. Nobody's listening. We're all talking at each other, and because we're not listening, we talk a little bit louder, we talk a little bit more salaciously, and we gotta sell time, we gotta sell this, we gotta sell that, we gotta get votes here, we gotta get votes there. So we stir the pot, and we are louder and louder and louder. There is no room or example of how to stop and to listen and to be in discourse. So we clang, and we clang at each other, and this noise, all it does is annoy us. And so we have to ratchet ours up a little bit more because what we just heard, then they've got to pick it up. And all we do is we're at each other. We're not with each other. We're not sharing information. We are shotgun splattering what we think is right all over any platform that will have us. Now, please don't mistake, you stand on what you believe your foundations are, you use your faith to make your decisions, and you stand on those. But there's a way to do that so you're not steamrolling everybody else that disagrees with you, but rather you invite some kind of listening into the discourse. Former president and CEO of Chrysler Corporation, Lee Iacocca, epitome of the business, successful businessman. I only wish I could find an institute that teaches people how to listen. Business people need to listen at least as much as they need to talk. Too many people fail to realize that real communication goes in both directions. Right on. And it's hard. It's hard who wants to sit down with somebody you disagree with and listen. When you know they're wrong and you're right, married people, get an amen here. I will speak of my own. She is not in the room, so I'm safe. <laughs> there are things at the end of the day that sometimes need to be explored. Things bubble in all relationships, whether you're married or not. This could be significant friendships, family members, significant relationships. It all hits it on a level. But what happens if you don't address some of those issues? They fester and they bubble until, like old faithful, they explode and it is not pretty. So what do you do? You take the time, you take the effort, 
and you sit. And I will be the first to say at the end of a long day, I don't necessarily want to sit down and talk in depth about what I know we need to, but I know I need to find a time for us to do that. That is working with love. That is sitting down and listening first. It doesn't mean that you are wrong or your position is going to change. That's not the point. In my last church, and we were dealing with the homosexuality conversations in 2012 and 14, 12 was the ordination of uh, deacons, elders, and pastors, uh, and then 14 was gay marriage, our conversation about that. One of the best things we did on a Wednesday night, the best attended my 10 years at that church, we had two respected elders who were on different sides of that conversation. It wasn't a debate, it was faith sharing. We gave them tough questions ahead of time for them to share at this gathering. And the point wasn't to say there's only one right answer on this. The point was to say there are people of faith who are seeking to be inspired by God, reading of scripture, being faithful disciples on both sides of this argument. So we were there to listen. They didn't rebut each other's comments or statements. We listened to what they had to say. And at least if you didn't agree, you saw or understood how someone could be on the other side of what you believed, seeking to be faithful. It is hard to listen, it takes time. It is a spiritual practice. If you flip that over and say, what happens if you never listen? If you never listen and we are always shouting first to get our point and our view across, nobody listens. Again, you have to ratchet up to be heard, to be louder and louder and louder. And so all it does is create noise. Listening rooted in God's love, allows us to do that. And this love, again, let, let me read this last 13. I read it twice. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. What, what, what's that, Paul? Faith, hope, and love abide. These three, the greatest of these is love. Are you telling me, Paul, that love is greater than hope? Paul just said it. And even more vexing, love is greater than faith? Paul, what are you doing? What does that mean? How could anything be greater than faith? Paul says love is. But the love he's talking about includes faith. The love he is talking about is a love rooted in God and the resurrected Christ. In a God who has loved us sacrificially from day one of creation, or day six actually. A God who has said, I'm not just gonna create it and let it go. 
I am with these people. I love them. They are a part of me. They are a part of my creation. I will give them what they need. I will give them the gift of one another. I will send them prophets, priests, queens, judges, all kinds of people to help them stay close to me. And then finally, I will send them Christ so that they will know what the ultimate act of sacrificial love is. So not only do we know, appreciate, and are given thanks for so much of love that God gives us, but we are called to take it out, not just sentimentally think, oh, that is great, go God. It is to take it in, let it transform us, so then we take it out. They will know we are Christians by our, by our love, by our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. Not our talking about it, but our doing it. This week dovetails nicely with last week. If you remember, we talked about Jesus standing up in his home synagogue and saying, I've come to bring good news to the poor, release of the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, let the oppressed go free, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Boom, sat down, dropped the mic. And you have seen it fulfilled right here. How does all that happen? This week, we are told that all that happens through love, all of its manifestations, all the deep and enriching, challenging pieces of love in the world. That is Christ's mission as he laid it out before his home crowd last week. This is our mission and Paul is telling us how it's done. Spiritual gifts are to be used. Love is not a spiritual gift, but is the way that all spiritual gifts are used or it is loud and clanging and gonging. We don't do stuff so we can be thanked. We don't do stuff so we can say, do you remember how I did that for you? No, and it's okay to thank people. That's not the point, but to do things, what is your motivation? Our motivation is the love of Christ, the love for God who loved us first and calls us not to take out superficial love, but to act with the love that we worship as God in this place and then take out into the community and show them what it looks like. Show them what it looks like to listen and to pray and to communicate in a faithful way, not one that just continues to ratchet up the brokenness. So today, friends, go home and read this chapter again. There's a lot of good stuff. It's going to be a good series for like a month. But take with you the understanding of listening as a spiritual practice. It's good in your individual relationships and especially relationships as we go out to be Christians in the world Pray as a part of that answer and those solutions. If you're having difficulty, you've never been able to get there in prayer, come talk to us. That's why we're here. A million different ways to pray. You cannot stop or the growth stops. And then finally, they will know in Columbus, Georgia, that we are Christians because we at First Presbyterian Church go out and sacrificially love others in Christ's name. This is our glorious call today. Hallelujah. Amen.